Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a new podcast all about the world's best football team, Aston Villa. George, Roisin and I have explained why we loved the Villa, but as Birmingham natives, there was always only going to be one club for us. But what if you live across the sea from Villa Park? In the fourth of our special Villains Abroad series, we spoke to Neil Dunworth, who's from Limerick, Ireland. He hosts the popular For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Roisin and I found out what made him support the Villa. So first off, I mean, I gather you're in Galway at the moment, but you're originally from Limerick. Um, Now, obviously, all my family's Irish. So whenever I go over, I tend to find that a lot of people over in Ireland tend to support either Manchester United or Liverpool. That's like the common route that fans take. So how did you end up as an Aston Villa fan? You're, you're dead right in what you say. Everybody is a, is a Liverpool or a United fan. And uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't really know where it comes from. I would imagine probably the, the success of the Premier League. But then everybody will tell you that they're, oh, I was a fan of United because my dad followed United back <laughs> in the Busby Babes. And you're going, like, you just look at them in the eye and you're going, that's a barefaced lie. That's not true. At all. <laughs> I could understand people supporting Liverpool because a lot of Irish went to Liverpool, and you know you got the boat to Liverpool, uh, but you didn't get the boat to Manchester. You know, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's uh, you know it's it's it, it was just one of those things. But um, supporting Aston Villa is uh, really, really, really by chance. To be honest with you, um, I, I've told the story a couple of times before, and. Um, it, it it really had I suppose the, the this game I suppose has this game itself um, had a profound kind of um, uh, mark on my uh, and my following of football in general I think and even to this day it does because I named my podcast after uh, Paul McGrath and it was really mm-hmm. seeing him and um, it was Villa were playing b- back in the day the three o'clock games on Saturday they used to be broadcast for free on terrestrial TV here in Ireland on RTE and uh, Aston Villa were playing Crystal Palace and I was very young I was maybe about seven it's it's one of my first coherent memories of having a proper discussion with my with my dad <laughs> to be honest with you I don't remember like I don't remember making much sense and uh, when I when I was um before this but um I remember watching it and and he didn't really have much interest in who was playing at all or, or what was going on um it's just like he'd have he'd watch all sports but he mightn't have a massive mightn't have had a massive interest in this but I remember watching it and uh I remember being drawn to the fact that there was uh, there was this brilliant defender playing for for uh, Villa. I didn't even know he was a defender at the time. I wasn't even sure what goals he should have been scoring in. It was literally that early in my my sporting kind of uh, uh, spectrum itself. But it turned out to be Paul McGrath and uh, Villa. Um, that, he was playing for Aston Villa that day, and then on the Wednesday afterwards. So that was on a Saturday, and then a couple of days afterwards, it was an international week, and. I don't know who Ireland were playing, but lo and behold, I see this beacon, this standout figure. And this is the guy I was mm. blown away with and I was attracted yeah. to the, the, in the game before. And he's playing for Ireland. So it was a serendipitous kind of mashing together of both of those that uh, drew me towards probably supporting Paul McGrath, more so than supporting Aston Villa first. <laughs> and then it was a case of who the hell does he play for? Who was that team in, 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 uh, in well, I wouldn't have said Clareton Blue. That's, that would have been, uh, I, would, I, was, I, was an adva- I was advanced as a child. I wasn't that advanced as a child <laughs> right. to know what Claret was. <laughs> So I'd probably say, was that team of purple and blue or something? <laughs> and then from there on then, I just became an Aston Villa fan. And, and it, was really, um, uh, it was really when I started going into... It, it was funny, actually, because I remember I, I have a vague memory of going into school a couple of weeks later 
and hearing never never before hearing the name Aston Villa probably did hear it never took much of an interest in it then next thing I went in school and I heard two or three other guys talking about Aston Villa and then it's like one of those things that you you know when you're older and you buy your first car mm. and then you think you're, you're driving your car and you're going wait everybody has the same car as me you know, everybody's yeah. driving a Ford Focus. Or everybody's it you start to notice it everywhere. <laughs> but back then, our, you know, that was, 90, that was 92. And, you know, at Villa, we're on the up and up, uh, obviously, yeah. in 92. Yeah, not you a know, bad year and, to start supporting. Same as me. Uh, well, when I started as 92. You know, there was a couple, you know, when you start off at the top, maybe. Yeah. You <laughs> to, you know, I think that's that's the one season we could ever be accused of being glory supporters, I think, is when, when he came second. Um, but at, the, at that time as well, like Villa had a huge Irish contingent with Town, Andy Townsend, Ray Houghton, Stevie Staunton, Paul McGrath. So at the time, were there quite a lot of, I think as you're saying, a lot of Villa fans emerging in Ireland. And to this day, there's, is there a bit of a, quite a sizable contingent of Villa fans in Ireland because of that? Huge. And that's, it's, it's actually, yes, it is. The, the, the short answer is absolutely yes. You look at the demographic of Irish Villa fans, like I would be, like I'm 35, you know, there's probably, a, a, it doesn't get much younger than me that <laughs> is the core cohort of Aston Villa fans, you know, so, um, but there are more coming up. I think Jack Grealish is actually going a long way to, to making uh, Villa cool amongst, uh, amongst kids again here in Ireland, but there's a huge Villa, Villa fan base over here in Ireland, um, very much so dormant and sleeping for the last couple of years, but we have the biggest lines, uh, Aston Villa line supporters clubs uh, uh-huh. outside of the UK. Actually, right. I think, I think it might actually even be the biggest anywhere. Uh, I'm oh, not wow. quite sure. Phil, Philip Drew is the man to ask, ask that, or Paddy, my co-host, would be the man to answer that. But we've got four different um, lines group branches here in Ireland, one in Dublin, one in Munster, one in Ulster. And um, uh, I'm newly... Uh, I, I, I set up the one in Connacht here during the pandemic, so we haven't even been able to have a meet-up yet. <laughs> right. um, but uh, yeah, it's something that I'm looking forward to growing and growing. Mm. But yeah, there's the, like you're talking, there, there would be a good number. And it would have stemmed from the Ray Houghton, Andy Townsend, uh, Paul McGrath, Steve Staunton uh, era of, of um, Aston Villa fandom. And Garrett yeah. Farrelly. Let's oh. not forget yeah, Garrett Farrelly. Yeah. always gets overlooked. <laughs> um, I was going to ask about Jack Grealish. So did he have quite a, a big following when he, when he did play for Ireland before he kind of chose to, to go for, for the England um, side. People lived and died on what side of the Jack Grealish argument. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. uh, really? It, it, people, in, people in the media in Ireland lived and died on the Jack Grealish side of the argument. Yeah, yeah. Right. It was it was national news. Uh, whenever the international international teams were announced, it was will Martin O'Neill announce Grealish, and then it was like, why isn't Martin O'Neill making a bigger deal to to get Jack Grealish? And it was like, why doesn't he just name him and force him to play, like bring him <laughs> over here, just chloroform over the mouth, and he wakes up halfway through a match and he's thrown, you know, he's literally asleep in the field, but he played that game, you know, it was, yeah. it was, yeah. it was all sorts of nefarious things there, but we, we the FAI really, really, really wanted him, but look, yeah. Why was born yeah. in Birmingham, you know, what can, what can you do? Yeah, and I think he, obviously, he, he was torn himself. And I think you do get that, obviously, from an Irish family. You do get that kind of, my mom would always support Ireland. And she's she born and, and raised in Birmingham. Um, but she, if, it was, if it was between England and Ireland, she'd tip into the Irish side. <laughs> um, and I think you do kind of get that, that torn loyalty, really. 
I, I can imagine he did as well because, uh, you know, he played a lot of Gaelic games. I think he, he yeah. played uh, Gaelic football there with Calmo Hare, actually, as well, who's Calmo Hare, ex, ex uh, Villa playing with Coventry at the moment. There's talks that he's going to be named in an Irish squad soon. Yeah. Um, you know, and the two of them would have played would have played Gaelic football in Birmingham. And to be honest with you, there's a big there is a big Irish contingent in Birmingham. I've got lots of mates mm. who who were born in Birmingham or their parents met in Birmingham and they came home. And you know, I actually know two guys who have a pub in Birmingham at the moment. But it's you know, so there there is a huge connection there. And look. Um, uh, uh, unfortunately, we couldn't lure Jack Grealish because he'd probably have about ten statues built of him already in Ireland <laughs> at the moment. But if you score ten goals for for the Irish international team, you get you get a statue. But, well, uh, it could, it could be another England Ireland argument uh, arising soon. But I think Louis Barry, I think he's played for the Irish youth team. He, he's yeah, he's firm. He's firmly in England camp he's now. England but now, the, yeah. big, the big one at the moment is Phil Neville's young fella. Oh, really? Phil yeah, Phil Neville's son is, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's played, uh, he's played uh, under 17, under 18 for Ireland. But right. um, yeah, and he's beginning to start for the under 23s for, for Man United at the moment. And actually Rory Delap's kid, who's playing yeah, with um, yeah. Liam Delap with Man City. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of people saying, well, why don't we just cap him now? <laughs> yeah. Very highly rated right player. To, He's very highly rated player. Yeah. He's not. He's not a secret, you know. But I suppose you became an Isle, uh, sorry, a Villa fan back in the nineties. Then, so do you remember your first trip over to Villa Park? And did you manage to get over to the Villa much at all before the pandemic? Yeah, I did. I used to get over. I used to get over maybe about twice a year, probably a bit more. Uh, maybe some, some years I get over four or five times. Um, my very first game, uh, my very first trip to Villa Park was when I was about twenty one, twenty twenty one. Um, I got over there and um, it was against Middlesbrough. There's a funny one here. I was, I was on another podcast and I couldn't remember what game it was. Oh, right. I, had to lit- I had to go back and, and uh, I, I just went drew a complete another blank. It was against Middlesbrough. Mm. and uh went over and um we we had family over living in uh, northampton in kettering actually and uh i stayed with them and i got the i got the train to um to birmingham and i just had a day out in birmingham but uh that's i remember getting the train to birmingham i don't remember getting the train back to kettering because it was uh, <laughs> a lot of excitement and a lot of uh, a lot of dutch courage was uh, was consumed that day but um uh, one of the biggest memories i have of it is being a very naive young irish man and 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 haven't been told when you're going into a pub to zip up your jacket and don't show your colours, you know, <laughs> especially in the in in um, in the train station. And I was like, why? Sure, everybody supports Aston Villa. Surely everybody's. And he was like, yeah. don't care, mate. You got to cover it up. You know, it takes yeah. one fella to not not support him. So uh, that was that was my biggest abiding memory because uh, you know when we go to games over here and stuff like that, it, it's look, it's obviously a lot more. T- there, you know, football and, and and sport in general is is uh, is, is is a lot. It's it's usually played at an amateur at an amateur level, yeah. so there's not that yeah. much riding on it. But uh, that was the biggest culture shock for me when I went over. But remember when I st- just the, sh- the sheer size of Villa Park, seeing those steps outside the Holt, and um, first time I went in there, I I was in the Trinity Road stand, and yeah. uh, even from there, I remember looking up and going. Oh, I should have just bought a ticket in the halt. It looks like so much more crack in there. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah, I was sure. I was actually right down beside the tunnel, so I could see the players come right out. So I did have, uh, have a decent spot, but um, I looked up at the halt and I was like, "That that's not. I don't think I'll ever come without going there again." Yeah. So every time, every other time I went, I, I went into the halt. 
that's brilliant in the hole, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're such a big Villa fan that you ended up making a podcast for the Liverpool McGrath. It's one I listen to quite a lot and I really enjoy it. Why did you make the podcast and how have you, has it introduced you to a whole new swathe of Aston Villa fans? Have you made more uh, friends through it and that kind of thing? The two questions there are, the second question is an answer to the first question. Right. So uh, what I mean by that is I started the podcast because I support Aston Villa. I'm known as the guy that supports Aston Villa. So <laughs> yeah. I mentioned that there's lots of Villa fans in Ireland, but <laughs> there wasn't a lot of Villa fans in my area. So there was maybe about two or three others, um, maybe maybe about four other Villa fans uh, in my area. But um, it was really that I was... Uh, I, I, it's going to sound a bit silly, but I kind of, I kind of felt isolated from Villa. Um, you know, not having a lot of people around here, moving to a new to a new uh, county here, moving from Limerick up to Galway. I, I I used the term isolated loosely. I wasn't isolated, but I just didn't want to talk to about Villa. And I said, hey, mm-hmm. look, there's a million, there's a million and one people out there on the internet that will interact with any gobbit of stick that even opens their mouth. And stuff. <laughs> so I was like, right. yeah. you know, Twitter wasn't doing it for me because, as you guys can tell. 100 or at the time what was it 140 characters just did i didn't i couldn't say enough in 140 <laughs> yeah. characters so i said you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna buy myself a podcast i'm like and i did it myself i said i um i set the podcast up initially on myself about myself and there was a lot of hard slog you know when you're kind of doing a podcast on your own first of all you're kind of going who the hell just wants to listen to a monologue so i got a couple of people on then i met patty my co-host and mm. you know it was literally like uh it was like it was like that episode of the Step Brothers. It was like, do we become best friends? That kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like we just we just hit it off like that. And yeah. uh, you know, the, as I say, then there was a time when I didn't do the podcast for a while, and then Paddy got on to me just prior to the pandemic. And it's the best thing that that I ever did. You know, was getting back up in the horse with this and just uh, just just talking because, as you mentioned, it's opened up avenues to talk to Villa fans. And now mm. I do nothing but talk to Aston Villa. I went from a position of having to formulate my own opinions, having no one to talk to about them, to now I have, you know, anybody, anybody in the world I can talk to about Aston Villa. It's just been we've really, done, really good. We've done quite a few of these Villains Board um, kind of interviews now. And every single time there's, there is that common theme of connection with people, whether mm. that's connection with people back home or people around the world or even like your own friends and family. Um, it just seemed to be a really kind of, I don't know, a great way to connect, isn't it? Well, it's a, you know, it is a kind of, uh, I'm going to call it like, like even for all, for all the good and, and bad or whatever side you come down on, on Doug Ellis, RIP, that, mm-hmm. you know, he did have a bit of, there was a bit of a family feel about that club. Yeah. When, yeah. I know when I was growing up, yeah. I liked having a celebrity chairman and I felt that, you know, that, that he was kind of like, ah, there's, there's Doug Ellis. He's like a grandfather to all of us, mm. you know. He mightn't give us the best Christmas presents, but you know, at least he's always <laughs> going to be there. You know? Yeah, you know? <laughs> Pablo Angel and, and and a few more. But that you know, that was okay. and and that that's been really genuine about it. It had this real family feel. It had this old traditional family feel of a club about it. Mm. And you know, even when we were floated, even even though we were floated at the time, and and when um and when Randy Lerner took us over, we've always had a kind of a figurehead that we can wrap our arms around, and and, and a, a, almost a savior at the top. Uh, that's been great and and we've got two fantastic ones now so yes the club itself is an extension i think of that of that that family feeling that you have and 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 look you know it's as tom hanks said it's the most beautifully named football club in the whole entire world so why wouldn't you love it now obviously your podcast is named after paul mcgrath so have you actually managed to meet or communicate with paul mcgrath at all i have um shouted how much i love paul mcgrath at him 
Um, but no, I've never, I've never met him. Did you I get a response? Him. Oh, I, I got, I, I got a very, it was, uh, it was in a train station and I got a very hurried, like, who the hell is <laughs> who's roaring? So it wasn't on a field or anything like that. It was, uh, it was, uh, Jesus Christ, who the hell is talking to me? Who's roaring out at me? The next thing that happened to me was I started to recoil in, uh, in embarrassment. And I was talking about, but that wasn't me, that, that, that wasn't me at all. <laughs> You're listening to All Villa, No Filler, Villains Abroad. If you're a supporter based outside the UK, then we'd love to hear from you too about how you show your support or why you fell in love with the villa. Send us your stories to allvillanofiller at gmail.com and you can also follow us on the socials on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search All Villa, No Filler. Welcome back to All Villa, No Filler. Now it's time for a special edition of this. The Perfect Eleven. It's the Perfect Eleven. This is a feature where we build our best ever Aston Villa first eleven. Every show we select a new position. Neil, we've chosen quite a few players like Mark Bosnich and Paul McGrath already. Who would you pick? For oh, good question. Well, I would pick Paul McGrath, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, goes without saying, I think. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's a couple, couple of players down through the years. I've had a couple of soft spots for um, like 2016 or 2014. Uh, Christian Benteke was just unstoppable. Um, I think it was 2014. That year, uh, when we went to uh, when we beat um, Liverpool, beat a couple more teams, just unstoppable. You know, he was fantastic. Um, James Milner, I, I've like literally his career speaks for itself. But I think that Aston Villa were really very much the making of him in a lot of ways, especially playing central midfield. You know, O'Neill put a lot of faith in him, mm. so it would be some. He's definitely somebody like I'd find it very difficult in Taylor. I like. Whatever I, I regularly will do this with my Arsenal, sport, uh, Arsenal, Liverpool, United supporting friends, and the two names that I come to, and they always kind of ask me, they go, "Who the hell are they?" Uh, are <laughs> Ian Taylor and Mark uh, Mark Delaney, and yeah. um, you know, if you're not an Aston, well, with Ian Taylor, you should. Every every football fan should know how good Ian Taylor was because he just yeah. was. But if you're not an Aston Villa fan, you just won't appreciate Mark Draper. Yeah, or, yeah, sorry, yeah. Mark Delaney. Mark Delaney, you won't. You won't, some some Aston Villa fans didn't appreciate Mark Draper when he was there. You definitely wouldn't uh, appreciate Mark Delaney for what he was. But um, it's it's one of those nuanced questions that if I wake up tomorrow, I could pick three different people. Uh, but yeah. I can guarantee you that uh, you know that the the core elements of the people that I mentioned there would be in my starting eleven somewhere, shape, or form. I think you're right about James Milner. I think there's a you know, the teams he's played for since Aston Villa, he's never kind of been the main man. He's always kind of been part of the team and he's a very effective part of the team at Liverpool, Man City. But at Aston Villa, it felt like he was the main event. You know, he was the main yeah. man the team was built around. And it's no coincidence that when he left very soon after Martin O'Neill did, the team went on a, very, a decade of decline, essentially, because we, ne- we were never able to replace him, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He was, uh, I, I often tell this story as well that like, um, my dad kind of started following Villa when he knew, when he saw how, how like kind of, um, 
passionate. I became about it almost instantly. Became passionate about it. The, the posters started going up on the wall and stuff. And then my dad started following Villa and started taking an interest. And now he would follow them as much as I would. And um, mm. but I could never really get anybody else in my family. And there's only my sister. But until James Milner came along, and I don't know why. I just maybe kept on mentioning his name over and over again. I kept on, you know, making sure that I was uh, I was playing clips of him or uh, maybe watching reruns of, of Match of the Day because I used I used to like he was just fantastic himself and, and, and Ashley Young and all those guys but then one day I'll never forget I get a text from, the, from my sister going uh, I'm here watching the Villa match Milner is playing and I went yes I have her I have her she's a Villa <laughs> fan now and she has she, she did beca- she became a Villa fan because that was the year that literally James Milner just was unstoppable yeah. or absolutely unstoppable that year um, taking free kicks penalties and getting into the getting into the England's uh, England recognition uh, that year as well so um She's managed to stay a Villa fan from there, and I just have Girl. my uh, yeah, I just have my mam to work on now and then. <laughs> on that kind of you know talking about James Milner, Frankie, about how kind of good he was at the Villa and how he played an important part in other teams, but perhaps not the most important part. That kind of big fish, little pond, or little fish big yeah. pond um discussion is it's something that kind of invokes a bit of kind of anger and bitterness in villa fans you know when people leave and go to these big clubs but mm-hmm. there is a conversation to be had around that about kind of how a player performs and and you know take someone like jack Grealish is the obvious one um someone like jack Grealish and, and actually the, the difference they can make at a team like villa as as opposed to another team where they'll just be a kind of a, a component the same as any other player really that that is a great point, and and I think there's, you know, I like like realistically, this year we we have flashes every so often. Like during the O'Neill years, we could say that like we, there was very much conversations around well, Gareth Barry's Liverpool are in for Gareth Barry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but is it a sideways step? It's not really a step upwards. And, you know, then it was Benteke at the time. Liverpool were in for Benteke. It seems like I've got it in for Liverpool, but Liverpool were in for Benteke. And it was like, yeah, is this a jump upwards? Is this not a sideways step? You know, because Liverpool were were faltering under just coming from Gillette and Hicks and Roy Hodgson era and so on. So, um, you know, we've we've always kind of had that kind of that that thought process because like, and I'm not going to just say this to kind of rally up the base, but Villa is a huge club. You just have to see the infrastructure that's there. But we are, you know, players have a, have a short uh, lifespan and mm-hmm. they have even a shorter lifespan when they're at a club that isn't winning. So um, I hope that those days of having to look over our shoulder um, are, are, are coming to an end. And I hope that, you yeah. know, with players like Jack Grealish, players like uh, John McGinn, um, Ollie Watkins is just mm-hmm. one of the most underrated players in, in, in the Premier League at the moment and, and even likes Emmy Martinez and so on. Um, you know, that we can kind of keep this core together and yeah. no longer will we be the uh, just like a shop window for, for players. Yeah, I think that's the yeah. major difference, isn't it? Now, I think, you know, um, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was always felt like our best player would eventually move on to somewhere like Man United. Whereas now you kind of look at it and you think Grealish signing that contract felt like a bit of a transformational moment for Aston Villa itself. Um, you know, does this mean that we can now hold on to players like Grealish? And if we can, where can we go because of that? It's, it's genuinely because of that, I think, the most exciting time to have supported Villa in maybe ever. So, well, in my lifetime, at least. Yeah, 
uh, like money makes the world go round. Let's not fool ourselves there. But yeah. the the other thing that makes the money go, or the other thing that makes the world go around is is kind of passion and love for a certain cause and a certain mm. belief in a cause. We are so lucky that Jack Grealish is is actually one of our own. Like the class of '92 that Man United had. Um, you know, you had local boys there like the Nevilles, like uh, like like Paul Scholes. That makes a massive difference. Liverpool didn't come out of nowhere. Steven Gerrard didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. He, he wanted to be the best yeah. Liverpool captain ever, and it, it must call him to this day that he didn't pick, that he didn't win the, the trophy. Yeah. And that's not having a crack at him. But it's those kind. It's that passion and that love for a club that will drive. And around. from Dean Smith as well. And Dean yeah. Smith, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's having that litter throughout the upper echelons of this club that is fortuitous. It's very, I've used, this is the second time I've used the word serendipitous in this podcast, as well, <laughs> but it is. Uh, it, it, it really is. And, and it's something that, like, while money makes the world go around, um, belief and almost like that, 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 um, indelible kind of want to make something that you've loved all your life succeed is that's, that's, you know, it, when that when that goes right, it's a juggernaut that can't be stopped. And uh, we're not far away from picking our striker so, for the perfect eleven. Aston Villa have had a, quite a few good strikers. If you had to yeah. pick one now, I know this is ex- this is quite on the spot and difficult. It's a lot of pressure. Who would you go for? I'm going to do a bit of a cop out here, and I'm going to say, well, I need to know what kind of formation you're playing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, look, it's 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 hard to look past. Uh, I, literally, I've just gone out in a passionate speech about people who love this club, make the club tick. Very hard for me to turn around and say, well, you know, I wouldn't pick Gabriel Bonahor because mm. of X, Y, Z. He's our leading scorer as well. He, he you know, he played. Uh, he he was there was there was times when he was unstoppable as well. Yeah. You know, up front. Um, if I was to take all that feeling out of it, you know the the most disappointed I've ever been as an Aston Villa fan, ever, ever been as an Aston Villa fan was waking up and seeing on the old, on our version of CFAX teletext that Dwight York had, I knew uh, you were had been sold out. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, so I, I was, I was, cause I was like, I was all in and we were, yeah. we were flying at that time yeah. and under John Gregory. And, and then, then it wasn't, then we weren't cause our big boy had gone and 13 yeah. million was huge at the time or whatever it was. But, um, I, I'd like I'd like I'm going to say Gabriel Bonhor, but an honourable mention to Dwight York just because of uh, I've never felt so low as an Aston Villa fan as I did that day. And I remember going out to my mother. I've said this in the podcast before. I went out to my mother and I went, "Ma'am, Villa have sold Dwight York," and she was like, "So what?" And I was like, "No, you don't understand. Stop what you're doing. Console me, woman. Console me." Well, I remember uh, my mom had to take me from McDonald's because I was so gutted. And I, get him a it, happy meal. That'll yeah. make him happy. It was, it was it was my first ever like in hindsight it was my first ever experience of heartbreak like i couldn't yeah. eat i couldn't i couldn't i just remember looking out the car oh. window just unable to digest that this guy <laughs> i'd loved throughout the 90s was he was gone to oh, but a car car cheered you up. Yeah. <laughs> oh i did i still got that car somewhere uh, okay so from the heartbreak to the heady heights of today how do you feel about the current villa team then you know what this this is uh, this is probably the most excited I've been as a as an Aston Villa fan. Actually, probably the second most excited. I, the most excited I was when um, was 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 when uh, Villa started to play three at the back and no one else did it. And I remember remember picking up it in match of the day. And I, wa- I went down to soccer training. Uh, uh, okay, 
listen before anyone has a go at me we call it soccer here because of Gaelic football as yeah. well so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always have to preface that yeah. so I, I go in between football and soccer but yeah. it, soccer is usually what, what comes out but I went down to training okay I went down we were training and I convinced my coach that we should try to play I was like only about 14 I convinced my coach that we should try and play uh, three at the back because Villa were doing it and they defended <laughs> they defended on the edge of their area with Gareth Southgate and stuff and then I remember I, remember I was proud as punch uh, that day um, whether worked on that I don't think we ever played it in a game but I think I think probably he was just so annoyed at me giving out to him and um, that he allowed <laughs> us to try it and train it but um no this this is this would be the like this this is an incredibly easy team to be proud of after what happened yeah. last year the Phoenix from the Flames kind of an analogy really um, we completely rebuilt the squad from an aging squad to a youthful squad and that's what makes me very very proud and excited for this club you look at the average age of the club you look at the measure of men that are there the Esri Kanzas, you know, Esri Kanza, mm. you ask, you ask fans of other clubs, do you, like what you make of Esri Kanza? They go, ah, I wouldn't get in our squad. And then you just look at me and go, have you ever seen him play? Yeah. Have you, yeah. have you ever seen him play? You know, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, you look at all those, the, 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 the chemistry within the team, Dean Smith, Craig Shakespeare, the fact that John Terry is allegedly taking his name out of the running for born, for roles like Bournemouth and Cardiff. I think he was up for Sheffield Wednesday. I think there was rumors around all that stuff as well. He wants to stay here and earn, earn his stripes. And, and look, you know, I think we'd all like to have a friend like Dean, Dean Smith as well. He seems like a bang on kind of guy. So I'm, mm. I'm super excited, not just because we're winning, but because of uh, the infrastructure around the club, the aura around the club, the chemistry around the club. Suarez and um, and Edens and what they like that their power to bring this club, and it always goes back. My 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 um my excitement as well always goes back to Christian Perslow did a fans uh, a fan forum around them just after um I think it was just just after Project Restart was or, or the just after it got promoted I think it was actually I can't remember um, but he mentioned that teams could outspend us the, the, and he actually mentioned the likes of Bournemouth and Crystal Palace could outspend us because they had three years in the Premier League or mm. some of them were coming into their third year yeah. in the Premier League and after that your uh, your wage bill becomes more manageable because of the money that you've made and the potential for money money down the line so that's the excitement that if we're spending all this money under Swiris and, and Edens What's it going to be like when we become quote unquote self sufficient with Premier League yeah. money? Are are able to pay those wages because our financial fair play is uh, our financial fair play ticket is basically restamped again, and we can move on to the next to the next level of spending. So like that's super exciting because we've kind of gotten our spending right so far, and mm. that's that's the best part for me. It is amazing how the signings that have come in in the last two years. I think last year we were probably talking about oh have these signings worked or not, and now you look at it in mm. hindsight from this most recent summer and the summer before. And you're like, God, a lot of these signings really have worked out, you know? Um, it's, it's, you know. They all have, really. Hmm. I can't think of one that hasn't. Barry Samata. And, and who's oh. to say that? <laughs> yeah, but, okay. But like, but genuinely, I'm Barker Bastard. But uh, who's, to, who's <laughs> to say that, that Samata <laughs> might hit the ground here? Uh, yeah. The way the season's gone so far, you'd have said, like, maybe, you never know, maybe he would have shown up and done okay. Uh, just before we go, uh, would you like to let our listeners know where they can find and listen to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks a million for having me on. It's, it's, you know, it's really great to chat to you guys as well. And uh, mm. I know the Irish links that are there as well. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. But uh, no, you can catch us on um, basically anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, you'll be able to find it. We're the only For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast out there. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> 
yeah which is, uh, amazingly amazingly yeah amazingly no one else has tried to pillage our name i don't know why um but uh we have a website as well www.fortheloveofpomegranate.com as well so uh that's uh been a labor of love over the last couple of months so um yeah that's uh that you can find us there as well and um and anything else that we do is there and that and that too well, that's it from us today. Thank you very much for joining us, Neil. We'll speak again, I'm sure. It's been great talking to you. Thanks very much, guys. And uh, it's goodbye to you too, Roisin. Goodbye, Francis, and up the villa. Yeah, goodbye from me. And as ever, come on, you villa boys from Aston. Aston.